Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. <laughs> I had an opening and everything. <laughs> You just, yeah, were you worried I was going to jump in there? No. I could see you staring into my soul because I know you have something on deck. Before the episode started, I, I asked who wanted to open and then Brad immediately said, oh, I have something. And I went, oh, no, that's not that's not good. <laughs> with the context of you said you wanted to start the first half of this episode with positive stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look, look. Red Wings hockey is back, baby, and and uh, is it All ever of back? It is back. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are recording right now. We just finished watching um, Detroit's uh, home opener against Carolina, their first game in over three hundred days, and yeah, it was quintessential Red Wings hockey. Um. <laughs> Look, and this isn't going to be, you know, just scream. No one's going to scream over one game in the season, although I, I, I don't speak for Brad. Um, we did have to uh, give Evan a legitimate shot of adrenaline straight to the heart to get him up after that game. Um, but no, we, we have uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about today, too. Um, it's pretty Red Wings focused, again, because this is... Uh, the first game of the season and we since last episode we got the news that we've all been waiting for uh which is the uh captaincy going to dylan larkin uh but before we get into all that for any new listeners or people who are just turning tuning in for the first time uh welcome to the winged wheel podcast uh mortal enemy of brad crisco i'm ryan hannah uh the patron saint of pissing off ryan hannah i'm brad crisco and i'm evan (laughs) (laughs) we teed you up man (laughs) I thought you'd have something. My brain's completely off. It's autopilot. Let's go. Was it? All he's going to do this episode is just scream platitudes about how bad the Red Wings are from last season. And you know what? They're all going to apply. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an evergreen episode for a little while. <laughs> um, okay. Do we, do we, let's start with the positive. Let, let's do the yeah, good stuff. First. Let's, let's do that. Cause I'm, I'm ready and way too willing to draw too many conclusions from one game after a 10 month layoff. So yeah, let's start with the positive. And I'm ready <laughs> to try to stab you through my own laptop screen. So that'll be good. No, I'm um, supposed to do that too. I even Googled it. Remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> the uh, the Red Wings fandom between the hashtag Give Larks the Sea and, you know, every other kind of social media uh, push to name Dylan Larkin the first captain since Henrik Zetterberg retired. Um, it was reaching kind of a fever pitch to the point where I saw some people actually doubting whether or not the Red Wings would name a captain. Um, obviously, that was something that both Eisman and Blashill had said would happen before the season started. Um, it's news that we've been expecting, and it, it wasn't a surprise that it was Larkin. Obviously, everyone knew that. Um, but yeah, I actually saw some people saying, well, if it hasn't happened yet, what are they waiting for? Because it's not like there's going to be a big dramatic show like on opening night, because there's no fans or I mean, Larkin's family was there, but mostly they're cardboard fans. Um, and I was like, no, they'll still announce it. And it got to uh, what was it yesterday morning? Yep. Yeah, it was, it was Wednesday morning. And, you know, we fired off the, the ritual stupid meme of like name Larkin captain. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, 
man, if it doesn't happen today, it might actually not happen. Like, is there a holdup? And then sure enough, like 30 minutes later, the Red Wings started uh, announcing it via tweet and then video and um, all that fun stuff. So yeah, after uh, however many, was it, it's been three years since we've had a captain? Was it 2018 the last time Zetterberg yeah, took the ice? So, um, Near on three years, uh, the Detroit Red Wings have a captain once again, Dylan Larkin. Yeah, and uh, much to the... Uh meme gods dismay there was no other option here it was dylan larkin or no captain again that was the reality of it and i mean it's a good story too you know local boy grows up and and this is one of those few times where i'll go michigan equals good thing not just random thing um so you get the guy who grew up just outside of detroit captaining the red wings first one ever from michigan or at least the detroit area and i mean Talk to anybody around the league, even outside of Detroit, they'll all say D- Dylan Larkin is one of the most competitive players on the face of the earth, which is exactly what you want in a captain. He is heavily involved in the community from everything you hear from the locker room. He's one of the more vocal guys in the room. And I mean, he leads by example on the ice. And, you know, you don't have to be the best player on the team to be a captain, but it helps when you are. Because then when the new guys come in and they listen to you, when you speak up, they'll go, oh, yeah, well, he he very clearly knows what he's doing. Like, I know they let Franz Nielsen keep the A because you're not going to take it away from a vet like that. And honestly, nor should they. I'm not going to get up in arms about that. But, you know, Matthias Brome coming in and, and trying to take advice from a Franz Nielsen right now, he's probably going to watch Nielsen play and go, well, I'm better than you, so how much should I really be listening right now? It sounds cold and callous to say, but believe me, it goes through players' minds. But Dylan Larkin is the best player on the Red Wings. So when he speaks up, everybody will listen. And he's got the right mentality and attitude for it. Yeah, you're right, Brad. First Michigan-born captain uh, of the Detroit Red Wings, which is obviously, like you said, that's a great story. Second American captain of the Red Wings ever, um, Reed Larson. Do I have that right? Was the first American captain? Yeah. Uh, 37th captain of the Red Wings. Do the Red Wings have in their history the greatest set of captains in professional sports history? Bar none. Easily. Right? Like, like- I don't even think it's up for uh, that much debate. Like Edmonton, you can go McDavid, Messier, Gretzky, and make a really good case. Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux, and Sidney Crosby alone give you a pretty good case. But I mean, look at Detroit. Larkin now, and this is coming after Zetterberg. Lidstrom. Iserman. Gordy Howe. Ted Lindsay. Alex Delvecchio, Mickey Redmond for a cup of tea. <laughs> it's it's an incredible yeah. list. And what's even more incredible is I was born in 1987. This is the fourth captain of my lifetime. Like, that's just crazy to me. It's really jarring to hear that he was the 37th captain. And then you go look at the list in the 70s. It seems like everyone who came through the door got to be captain for like five minutes. Like I didn't do the math exactly, but I'm pretty sure if you took the 70s out of it, like uh, Larkin would be like the seventh captain in team history. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously it's a it's a tough act to follow. And I can respect the Red Wings wanting to be sure before doing it. Obviously, we've been clamoring for it for for some time. Um, And even after Zetterberg retired, um, there wasn't. 
a clear, clear choice, you know, only recently or only over the past season or two when Larkin has like really emerged, uh, have we really been pushing for it, but it's got a way to know that you're following up on the last three being Eisenman, which who in my mind is the captain in pro sports, like the captain, um, Nicholas Lidstrom, greatest defenseman of all time, or, and then Henrik Zetterberg, who everyone still reveres on this team and across the league. He has a tough act to follow, and this isn't a short-term gig for him. It's not like when we were talking about Nick Cronwall uh, towards the end of his career where the timing just made sense because Zetterberg left first. No, he's 24, is it? Mm-hmm. And he's going to be captain as long as he's on the Red Wings, which we all hope is his whole career. Um he's really going to have to continue his strong leadership and, and all the, the, the reports and, and insight into the room have been that he's really kind of taken the role, especially last year, taking the reins pretty overtly. You can see he talks to the media pretty much every game. And um, it's been known that in the room, he's the one acting as a de facto captain. A lot of people have said it, but yeah, it's a great story and it's something for Red Wings fans to be excited about. It's re- it was really just good to see the energy behind the fan base Yesterday, when all that was coming through, I think this fan base has like, <laughs> and you're laughing, Brad, because a lot of, there, was, there was some deflation tonight watching the game. <laughs> but in all honesty, like Red Wings fans know, they know what this team is and they knew what this team would be tonight. So for them to have something to appreciate uh, leading into the season after 10 months of getting jack shit in terms of entertainment from their favorite hockey team because they weren't allowed to play and believe it or not the two extra days of training camp didn't make a meaningful difference um this and you know watching raymond insider do well overseas like these are the small victories uh that the team has had so it was just kind of a, a nice bright spot for the organization no not on the ice but it's nice to have a defined captain of the Red Wings again. It looks right to have someone with the C on the jersey. It's a little bit sentimental and um, like, you know, hashtag intangibles. But as a fan, it's nice to watch and, and see instead of like 15 A's, someone with just the C on their jersey. A thousand percent. Um, okay. Dylan Larkin, captain of the Red Wings, first game. woof okay so i'm gonna start by saying that over the course of the next good chunk of this episode we're probably going to be ripping apart a lot of things so we understand it's one game coming off a near 10 month layoff with a bunch of new players okay we knew this wouldn't be pretty we knew they'd be rusty We knew they were playing a much better team than them, and we knew that this team would still be bad, despite the improvements to the roster. So what I, what this game, I think, was good for, in a sense, it gave me indications of what to watch, because there were a lot of times you you could see the Red Wings player tried to make the right play. You could see it was there. You could see they saw it and just, they missed the pass, bobbled the puck, took a half second too long. When, whereas Carolina being a more naturally skilled team, they didn't have that much of a problem. So rust obviously had a ton to do with it, 
But there was, over the course of the game, there was one prominent issue that stuck out to me that really doesn't have anything to do with Rust. And I blame no one other than myself for this. I was way too high on Jeff Blashill in training camp. And I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here. Because even though he seemed to get the line combinations right, um, every bad fundamental the Red Wings had last year reared its ugly head again tonight. Every bad system that the Red Wings deployed last year reared its ugly head tonight. Every dysfunctional special teams unit the Red Wings had last year reared its ugly head tonight. This was a more skilled team than last year and in on a lot of plays even the scoreboard didn't reflect it you could see it like you could see Zadina zigzagging through the neutral zone you could see Matthias Brome making things happen in the neutral zone John Merrill and Troy Stetcher in a pretty low event game look like revelations on the blue line like you could see where there's optimism even though this was an absolutely horrific game from the Red Wings standpoint but there were still too many rims around the boards to no one too many Red Wings with one hand on their stick waving at the puck. Too many Hurricanes left wide open in key spots in the defensive zone. Too many chip and chases in the offensive zone. Too many slow transitions through the neutral zone. And and quite frankly, you could see there was a lot of times the Red Wings defensemen got the puck in the defenseman zone in in their defensive zone. And as a noted former defenseman Ryan Hanna, I'm sure noticed. Very clearly had no idea what to do with it because their first outlet wasn't what they thought it was or it wasn't there. Now, sometimes in Mark Stahl's case, they just made the wrong play because, hey, <laughs> why not? Um, on, on a small tangent, I had to send out a tweet towards the end of the game. I'm like, I know it's less than one game after a 10-month layoff, but I think I'm just about done with this Mark Stahl thing because, oh my God, he's somehow worse than advertised. But anyways... That was the storyline for me tonight because I had optimism looking at what Jeff Blaschel was doing on paper in training camp, and he kept those lines to his credit throughout the whole game. He didn't panic shuffle the lines tonight like he normally does, so that's an improvement. Everything else that was wrong with the Red Wings from a coaching standpoint last year seemed to rear its ugly head, and I knew it was going to be a problem in the first period. That... That age-old Jeff Blaschel thing. It's a little thing that, like, your casual fan would never notice. But to anybody who's played a high level of hockey or anything, it just drives nuts. So, in the NHL, they get the added benefit of television breaks, commercial breaks, where everybody in the building gets a rest. The Red Wings were losing by one, about five minutes left in the first period, and... There was a TV timeout. So everybody gets a three minute break, which means your star players, whether they were on the ice, the last shift before the commercial or the shift before were rested. It was an offensive zone draw for the Red Wings. And out comes the fourth line. That is a sin. That is, you can argue systems all you want, but something like that is inexcusable. You have an offensive zone draw in a game where you're losing and your entire bench is rested. 99 out of 100 times your four, first or second line should be parading over the boards. And that one out of 100 time is because your third line is having a really good game. But it was the fourth line that came over the boards. And did the Red Wings get a scoring chance out of that offensive zone draw? 
No, they did not. Brad teeing off on Blashill for five minutes. Nature is healing. It is. It's really back to normal here. It is. And again, before anybody goes, oh my God, Brad, how can you draw all these conclusions from one game? I'm not. I'm repeat what I said before. These all were problems last year. They showed in the first game, which could just be old habits die hard. This is what we need to pay attention to for the rest of the year. Because at 20 games from now, if these things are still happening, there's I, I don't care how pro draft lotter you are. Jeff Blashen needs to be out of here before these bad habits become permanent with some of these players. But if you know the new new systems come in and these issues are no longer issues in 20 games, then hey, we're all happy. I don't care if the Red Wings are winning or losing at that point. This is what I want to see from the coach this year because it helps the progression of our players. It's super annoying when you become reasonable at the end of your point because in my head I've built up what I want to say and I've mapped it all out. And then you finish off by making a reasonable statement to cap it off. And I just seem (laughs) like a meathead. But no, I I think that's exactly it. I'm honestly, I'm not worked up about this game. um, But I've very obviously for anyone who's known me or listened to me over the past 12 months, I've reached a level of hysteria where things that should bother me just don't. Because it's uh, that part of my brain's broken, I guess. No, right. Uh, Get angry about it now before the <laughs> midseason apathy sets in when the Red Wings are like 10 and 21. I wasn't expecting a phenomenal game. It would have been nice for sure. And you can hold out that hope because we had it last year, of course, with Mantha's four goal game. Sorry, last year, whenever, two years ago, whatever time is a construct. Um, but look training camp was what seven hours like (laughs) training camp started effectively on january 1st and an nhl training camp isn't the same as your double a team like you need more than two weeks together to develop new systems you need more than two weeks together to mesh so many of these players are brand new sticking one guy into your top six or your uh, of your forwards or the top four of your defense or a brand new starting goalie usually throws a, uh, a team amok for a good five or so games like say after the trade deadline the red wings did that for most of their team so I wasn't expecting them to gel. I wasn't expecting them to mesh. And frankly, I wasn't expecting anything to trot out besides the old systems because that's literally all they know. And if you add anything else in there, like John Merrill's coming in playing good Vegas Golden Knights hockey, which obviously doesn't mesh with what the Red Wings have been doing, it's going to look clunky. Um, but it, it, to your point, Brad, if this is still a case 28 games into a 56-game season, then yeah, there's a problem. But I am more than willing to not get angry at Jeff Blashill or the Red Wings really because I think they should be afforded that time to start the season not to say that today's game was good no it was it was really rough to watch I can pick out like two good shifts from the Bertuzzi Larkin Mantha line but it's it I you have to assume it's going to take time no guarantee it'll pan out Jeff Blashill's gonna have to come out with a a style of coaching and a level of hockey that we haven't seen as long as he's been head coach of the Red Wings but I still think I I have to give him that grace period. I mean, the the positive counter argument to your point was I would argue the four best players for the Red Wings tonight were all new guys. Thomas Grace in net was unreal. Matthias Brome was the best skater on the ice for the Red Wings, and John Merrill and Troy Stetcher were really good on the back end. <laughs> Those they were all the, came from better teams, <laughs> exactly right. Their spirits hasn't been broken yet, but um, no, but and. 
Because, and again, you're right. Like, I, I would argue that you, sh- even though you only had two weeks of training camp, you should still try to implement a new system if the old one's bad and then kind of iron it out as they go along. But you're right. It is hard no matter what they're going to do. But the argument for Blasha last year was, well, yeah, he plays this low event, boring chip and chase style because they don't have the personnel to play any other way outside of the top line because Zadina missed a lot of time last year. And when Mantha went down, Fabry had to go up to the top line. So like legitimately they had three checking lines last year. And to me, that's not an excuse, but it's absolutely understandable. And, and that that's not something I would hold against a coach. That's not the case this year. Again, we can argue the skill level of the second and third lines of the Red Wings versus the skill level of a normal average NHL second and third line. And it's definitely lacking, but there's skill lines now. Like the second line of Zadina, Fabry, and Nemesnikov had their moments tonight, but those are all guys who can play a controlled possession game. They can run a smooth transition through the neutral zone. They all have the capability of doing that. The third line was the best line for the Red Wings tonight with uh, Gagne, Philpola, and Brome. Those are three guys who can carry possession through the neutral zone, who can play a possession game. So Blaschel doesn't have the personnel excuse anymore. He has players who can play a more offensive, aggressive system. They're still going to get caved on the shot clock most nights, but they played a low event chip and chase defensive style tonight and got absolutely caved on the shot clock tonight. So I, I don't buy that as an excuse anymore, personally. Um, again, I'll always up for debate on it, but that, that's the reality of the world they live in. The Red Wings are going to be bad. As as much as we said they were, they're improved over the offseason, and uh, we still argue that, they're still bad. <laughs> that was how we finished every statement, saying, yeah, they're a much better team, and they're still probably going to be in the running for dead last. But we need progression, because you watch a guy... I don't know if Philip Zadina is the right example from tonight's game, but still. You watch a guy like that who needs the puck, who needs his line mates to have the puck so that he can have some time to get open and make a play. If it's just chip and chase every shift, he's he's going to get bust label very quickly because he's not put in a position to succeed, even if he's playing fine. Like I, I thought Zadina didn't play poorly tonight, but he played fine. Um, the puck hounding that was advertised from training camp seemed to be a very real thing and he was all over it didn't he barely got had possession of the puck because his line barely had possession of the puck so you know i i don't know like i said it's one game i'm not drawing any conclusions i could argue well well hell carolina you know only had two weeks of training camp too and they looked a lot more cohesive tonight but they also got to play in the playoffs so there's that whole thing but i don't know it's just these are the things to pay attention to and i'm uh, optimism's not off to a great start. <laughs> we, uh, we're eventually going to live stream some games, like, uh, re- not the games, but like, you know, us watching and discussing as the game's going on from time to time. And I think Evan, what we should do for you is have like an on-screen, like sliding scale, like Evan consciousness meter. And that's how <laughs> we'll measure how the Red Wings are doing. Uh, that would have been in the snooze b- level <laughs> after the first period, because, that was about it after the Sam Gagne fight. That's where I kind of started to tune out because once Carolina really started to take over, that was it. There was no fight really back from uh, the Red Wings, and I went to bed, and now I woke <laughs> up again. 
I mean, you haven't played hockey in 10 months. You would you would hope for more than 13 shots. You would hope to see a motivated team like, oh my God, we haven't played hockey in forever. Let's go. And that never wasn't even much looked of a jump close to the case. Tonight. No, there wasn't one. I, I will say, I actually didn't think DeKaiser was that bad tonight considering he hasn't played hockey in what feels like two or three years. Um, I mean, didn't really notice him, which is probably good. Probably good for uh, the notable lack of playing he's had. Yeah. Nice to see Danny DeKaiser. I think Ronald Reagan was still president the last time he was right. the ice. So, um, speaking of Gagne, some positive things. Sam Gagne, you know, played eight games in Detroit or something like that uh, before the season ended. Uh, has done a lot of like charity work and integration with the community in his time being here is already like people love him and it's so easy to see why and then he steps up and scraps in his first game as a red wing i don't care if sam Gagne puts up zero points i love that guy and i hope he stays a red wing i don't care if it's on the fourth line or as the 13th forward as long as he wants to be like good for him oh yeah and he actually played pretty well tonight like i said that the third line was noticeable uh, more than any of the other lines were. And hey, Gagne was a big part of that because I didn't think Philpola had a particularly strong game, uh, especially on the PK. He was horrible. But, um, you know, Broma and Gagne carried that third line and, you know, they ha- got a crossbar out of it, a couple other decent chances, had some good possession time. But yeah, it's, I mean, if Gagne is willing to fight, what, what did Dougie Hamilton have a seven inch height advantage? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Gagne's like, all right, let's do it. That was Gagne's 10th fight in his career. How? He's had 10? Yeah, that's what they said on the Good broadcast. How? <laughs> his face when he went down, he like kind of eyes wide open. I was like, oh, no, is he hurt? And then he started laughing. <laughs> I think he was just laughing at the fact that he fought. <laughs> um, More positives. Matthias Brome, like... People have been talking about Brome, like Swedish fans and Swedish listeners have really been telling us, hey, like Brome is no joke. He's not some scrub. Like he's going to come in and make an impact. And we've see, been seeing in camp, like everyone's been saying, this is a guy who has no rust, plays a full game, like full 200 foot game, uh, makes things happen on the ice. And that's what I saw from him. I'd say like he was arguably Detroit's best player that wasn't thomas grice or even including thomas grice on the ice tonight um always trying to make things happen came the closest to scoring ring one off the crossbar um i love watching him he's great oh he was fantastic you could tell he had a bit of that nervous extra step in him tonight where uh, every once in a while he tried to do a little too much but that's fine first nhl game I, i would be concerned if that wasn't how you were on the ice he was like not just noticeable because the rest of the Red Wings were bad. He was noticeable because he was making plays out of nothing. The one he rang off the crossbar, he rang it on off the crossbar on, uh, what would that have been? Mrazic's glove hand side after coming around the net when the play started with him getting the puck with the defenseman on him on the opposite side of the ice on the hash marks along the wall. Like he literally protected the puck all the way around the net, held the defenseman off, got his step, stepped out in front, turned around and ripped one high short side and it missed going in by a fraction of an inch. Like it was an unreal play. And throughout the rest of the game, when he got possession of the puck, he made a good play with it. Um, I think it was him who set up John Merrill for a point blank chance in the slot towards the end and the shot got blocked. It was a hell of a play. And again, good on John Merrill for stepping up and reading into that. Um, you'd like to get the shot through but hey you know nhl defensemen are paid to do that so when they do it you can't really argue that all that much but uh yeah like see this is how i know last season broke me 
I saw Brome. I saw Brome going out there and, and looking like a, a tremendous player. And I'm like, man, if it weren't for injuries, we probably wouldn't have even seen him this game. <laughs> well, even though everybody said he made an impression in camp, so every logical conclusion said he would have been in the lineup no matter what tonight. I just wait till his bobblehead that. night. <laughs> but someone tweeted they're like one of my bold predictions 15 minutes into the season looks like it's going to come true when i said brome would play 50 games this year yeah i i'm not keen on drawing conclusions from one game of hockey to extrapolate over a whole season but one that i'd be comfortable to stick my neck out on is that brome should be a fixture like yeah oh absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. like you look at how okay i'm gonna try and phrase this as politely as I can. If you look at how ineffective Nielsen and Philpola were tonight overall, Nielsen especially, there's no reason Brome shouldn't be in the lineup because when Helm and Bobby Ryan come back, obviously those two are going to displace players. But the list of players who should be displaced uh, ahead of Brome is a decently long list after one game. So again, time change. He's a rookie. I mean, he's 26, but he's still a rookie. He's going to have his cold streaks. He's going to have his bad games. He'll probably have to sit a couple games because I mean, you have Giovanni Smith, Michael Rasmussen, et cetera, sitting on the taxi squad and, and they're not going to want them to play no hockey this year. So they're going to get in games, um, which we haven't even talked about that, but um, so, you know, we're we're going to see a lot of lineup turnover this year, as we should in a condensed schedule. You want to keep legs fresh and get everybody a look. So I'm not going to sit here and say there should be no games where Bromay comes out of the lineup. But, yeah, there's a bunch of guys that should come out before he does at the, after tonight's viewing. Um, Thomas Grace. Welcome Good. to Red Wings hockey. <laughs> Post 40 saves and loses. Yep real real good really strong game um so this is the type of game i like to see from a goalie it didn't look like he made any circus saves because he didn't have to because he was always in the right position like tim thomas had those highlight reel saves all the time because he drew himself out of position and had to reach back with the glove or the paddle it it, we we used to call it the peter peter morazic special around these parts but uh, yeah, no, Thomas Grace is the anti that. He's just like, no, nah, I'm going to get in the right spot. I'm going to stand in front of the puck and it's going to hit me. And it happened way more often than it didn't tonight. So positive impact. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't love the call to start him. I mean, it was the right call based on how he plays. But I felt like based on everything he did last year, Bernier earned the opening night s- start tonight. But I as- assume we'll see Bernier Saturday night. So it's really splitting hairs and not a hill I'm willing to die on. And if Grice plays like he did tonight, every night, yeah, he's probably going to see more games than Bernie will. And rightfully so. If he plays like that. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a gift to Bernie for his performance last season. They said, <laughs> Hey, you don't have to go out there and play behind yeah. this D one opening night. <laughs> yeah. Bernie's like, you see what I did last year? I'd like a request in terms of the ice time. Flash was like, all right, fine. We'll give you more games. No, 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 Jeff. I want 20. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, the goal against was I think he made a mistake on that goal. Granted, that was from Larkin's turnover in, in his own zone slash you know leaning neutral zone. Um, he kind of decided to poke check after setting up to wait for the shot, and then that moment of movement is when uh, was it? Who was it? Tuevo Niederreiter that scored. Niederreiter, yeah, Niederreiter capitalized, and that's okay. Like like you said, he played a solid game. Otherwise, like before you notice, he 
had 30 saves. Um, so that, that's what you it, want. That goal was interesting too, because it was really a bold strategy of the Red Wings to play a five man left wing lock entirely in the defensive zone below the top of the circles. That was a hell of a strategy. Didn't work, but I'm curious to see how it turns out next time. You you joke, but there is no way in hell that right winger was going to score, Brad. So, <laughs> um, you you're touched right, on you this. Didn't. Uh, Matt, or Merrill and Stetcher, I both noticed in good ways tonight. I'm not saying either of them had perfect games. At one point, Stetcher's feet were above his head. Um, but that was actually a play where he gave up his body, and I think that was good. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I noticed them, and they, I think they made an immediate impact for that Red Wings blue line. It's you really notice, and it's not to hammer guys who are already gone, but you really notice when it's Merrill and Stetcher rather than you know Erickson and Daly or Bowie. Oh, night and day. Like absolute night and day. Just it was one of his first shifts of the game. It was it was an absolute nothing play, but just because the correct play was made, it, it was a shell shock. Because we, we know if there's a two man four check on a Red Wings defenseman below the goal line in their own zone. Last year, ninety nine out of a hundred times that was a turnover because they panic and they'd either ice it, throw it away, or just straight up lose the puck. That exact situation happened to Merrill. He simply turned his back to them, waited for them to get closer, read where the pressure was coming, knew where his outlet was, made a tidy little five-foot back pass to uh, whoever the hell was skating towards him from the center of the ice, and it was out of the Red Wings zone two seconds later. Just not a noticeable play if it weren't for the fact that we noticed that play went against the Red Wings almost every time it's happened over the last three years. So just it's nice to see the routine, somewhat difficult play being made and being made regularly throughout the game. And same goes for Stature. Now Stature um, is effective in a completely different way of Merrill. Merrill's just like, I'm going to use body positioning and my reads to make the right play. Stature's like, I'm going to use my feet to get the hell away from those situations and then make the right play. And hey, it's both effective. And on numerous occasions, they both used it to their advantage tonight. Okay. Uh, before we pivot to talking about the roster and the taxi squad, um, each of us, let's come out with uh, one positive takeaway and one worrying takeaway from tonight's game. And Evan, you should go first, lest um, Brad and I take everything that you want to say. And then we get the uh, bingo card line. One positive? Well, this team is exactly the team we thought they would be. <laughs> so there's no surprises. Uh, I guess that's good. I don't know. They were uh, rusty. <laughs> I'm still expecting a little more than we got tonight. <laughs> Especially after last year's home opener when Mantha had four goals. Um, goaltending looked good. Yeah. Well, we said we didn't think goaltending would be the, the, the issue with this team. We were correct. So, so far, so good. One worrying. There were no goals. They didn't get 20 shots. Their offensive zone game plan was non-existent. The stretch pass is back. The The Detroit deep dish drop pass is back. Um, <laughs> we got to patent that Detroit deep dish. Oh, man. It's, it's I, I got a shiver up my spine the first time I saw it on the power play. Um so there's a lot of things from last season that still exist, good and bad. All right, Brad. Uh, I don't know how you're going to follow that up, but go ahead. 
I'm not, and I've already went on my rant, so I'm just uh, I'm gonna repeat it simply. The good, the new guys are all right. The bad gestures broadly at that entire game. Uh, the positive takeaway is that the additions to this team are noticeable in a good way right away. It's been some time since the Red Wings have been able to add players where that's the case. Um, we're not far removed from signing Philpula, and we couldn't be mad at it because it's literally the best we could do or Eisenman could do given the circumstances. So to see Merrill, Stetcher, um, Grice, Brome come in and, and do well right away was nice. Uh, the worrying for me is a shot differential. Like, Brad, you said it's not surprising that, you know, Detroit gets caved every night. And it, it you're right that it, that's going to be the theme throughout the season. Like, generally, when teams don't score goals, as Evan very astutely pointed out, it's because they didn't shoot enough. Well, that's one of the major reasons. Um, the Red Wings offense is talented enough to, to shoot more than, you know, 13 times or whatever, however many shots they got tonight. So, um, again, all this with the big caveat that I had at the beginning, which is they just got on the ice, like, a handful of days ago but that's gonna have to change okay the taxi squad uh and then the roster i guess for you know whoever was sent down and whoever's gonna be rotating through so just as a a reminder the nhl taxi squad is um essentially a traveling group of ahl players or minor players or, or players who aren't on the active nhl roster but still travel with the team for the sake of, you know, making it easy to call players up and send them down uh, during quarantine um, or, or because of quarantine protocol. So the Red Wings had six players on the taxi squad. Do you have it pulled up, Brad? I do not. Um, it's it two includes- goaltenders, two defensemen, and two forwards from what I remember. It's uh, yeah, no, Smith, it's Michael, Michael Rasmussen, Rasmussen, Lindstrom, Chalosky, Boyle, Pickard. Right yes, now, correct. obviously that will change when the HL season starts, but that's what it is for now. So that excludes someone like Evgeny Svechnikov, who's assigned to the minors. The AHL season is supposed to start in three odd weeks. Um, there's still a lot of kind of flux surrounding that. The important thing to note about the taxi squad, for example, oh, Rasmussen's on the taxi squad and not in the minors where he might be getting games or, or Svechnikov's in the minors and not on the taxi squad where it'd be easier to call him up. This is going to be an evolving thing. It's going to rotate a lot. The taxi squad players are going to be used. This is 56 games where teams are essentially playing every other night until the season is over. Um, The Red Wings are likely not going to be a playoff team, so their season is going to be over in May. So 56 games between now and May, that's a heavy schedule. There are going to be injuries, and there's going to be guys who are gassed. So you are going to see Sveshnikov. You are going to see Rasmussen. You are going to see Cholosky. So based on the camp that these players had and, and all the indications that they weren't necessarily, you know, kicking down the door, um, it was kind of to be expected. And it, it's worth noting of the four skaters on the taxi squad, none of them are eligible for waivers, which is a huge advantage for the Red Wings because they can just pull them in and out of the taxi squad at will. Doesn't make any difference to them. I mean, the players that they have to replace them with on the taxi squad, uh, if they do have to replace them, if it's not due to injury or anything, we'll have to go through waivers. But uh, when the Adam Ernie's and the Franz Nielsen's of the world end up on waivers, I got a gut feeling they're not getting claimed. So, you know, I I don't think that's a big concern of theirs. But uh, yeah, and, you know, it's a uh, everything Ryan said is true, and he missed the biggest one. 
There's going to be COVID protocols this year. That's why there's a taxi squad. Darren Helm's not playing right now because he's out due to COVID protocols. Whether or not he tested positive or was in direct contact with someone who did, he can't play. And I said it last episode, we're dreaming if we don't think this is going to happen to a bunch of players on the Red Wings this year. And that's when Rasmussen and who the hell ever else is going to check in. And after looking at the Red Wings power play tonight, Rasmussen's going to be a key part of that. And Chalosky might be too, because holy crap, those were the two weakest parts of both power plays was the net front and the top of the point. Danny DeKaiser was the king of like the, well, he's trying tonight. <laughs> Because he he was the poster child for me tonight of you could see him trying to make the right play every time and just not being able to do it, just not fully executing on it. And obviously that will come as he gets his legs back under him. But yeah, like you could, you know, a guy like Chalosky, who's more suited to that role, probably wouldn't have had those struggles in those situations. And Watching Vlad Nemestikov try to throw a screen on an Anthony Mantha slap shot was just depressing. <laughs> like, oh boy, this is this is why we have a taxi squad. Forget COVID. We we need these options. <laughs> speaking, yeah, can we rotate them in mid game? Um, speaking of the uh, Helm, Helm was a non roster designation for the reasons that Brad specified. So these are guys. When they're designated non-roster, it's for reasons other than injury, typically, and in uh, a pandemic world, uh, we can understand why through either, you know, contact, uh, quarantine for the sake of safety, or a positive test, or whatever it might be, part of the protocols that they don't really specify it for good reason. So that includes Darren Helm, Bobby Ryan, and newly acquired uh, Christian Juice. And I actually, don't believe Bobby Ryan was on the COVID protocol list, though. Wasn't he designated non-roster? Yeah, but I think uh, the NHL, they actually released a list of players who were under the protocol. Oh. And I believe it was only Helm and Juice for um, the Red Wings. And Juice obviously had to because, it, you know, switching teams, he had to go into his quarantine. Um, so I'm guessing Bobby Ryan's just straight up injury. Yeah, you know what? He was on the ice in the non-contact sweater. He was wearing the the pylon jersey. I forgot yeah. about that. Um uh youtube commenter uh sorry if i'm not getting your name gunther v or gunther v said uh made a good point and i had this in my episode notes and i never brought it up uh christian juice son of none other than and i i shit you not pear juice former red wing pear former juice. red wing pear juice which is fantastic that is a top tier hockey name pear juice oh, a thousand percent uh if you live somewhere with good pears pear juice is unreal by the way Never had it. Take your word for it. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see. I'm I'm very much channeling my inner Brad. I'm excited to see Chalosky get up there. I don't think he's going to, you know, save this defense the way John Merrill's absolutely gorgeous flow is going to. Like that mullet is phenomenal. After seeing that mullet in the pregame intros and then watching him mock the Carolina player for embellishment as he was going off for his uh Penalty, I was ready to sign that man to a five-year contract extension on the spot. Yeah. Um, but sorry, and I railroaded, you know, my own point about Chalosky. I don't think he's going to come out here and, and kick down doors or anything. But yeah, for the reason of having someone viable on the power play in a season where you more or less just have to advance your specific players that you need for the future, it's going to be good to see Chalosky in there. Um, well, I- 
it's going to be good to see Chalosky in there if it means we don't have to see Mark Stahl in there. Got, again, we warned everyone when the trade was made. This was not a trade for the player. It was a trade for the pick. And part of that deal was Eisenman said to Stahl, we're going to need people to eat minutes. This is a very hodgepodge defensive group that's still finding its way and, and being filled in. And there's going to be injuries. So you are going to get minutes. Um, Mark Stahl is well past his prime. And I wasn't shocked. It wasn't pretty, but I wasn't shocked. No. Yeah. And I would argue the other five defensemen on the ice tonight were passable to good. Like none of them looked egregiously out of place uh, all that often. Nobody had a perfect game, but uh, except for Mark Stahl, he was noticeable for all the wrong reasons very often. Um, So if uh, Cholosky's not drawing into the lineup because of uh, defensive play, I'm calling bullshit. Uh, after a decade of saying, holy shit, Erickson, like every other game, it was good to see a game where there wasn't one glaringly obvious mistake from a defender. Or if there was, it wasn't bad enough where we remembered it by the time we were recording. Yeah. Um, any other points before we jump into overtime here about the Red Wings, Captain Dylan Larkin, or anyone else? Or anything else across the NHL. Captain Dylan Larkin has his work cut out for him with this Red Wings team this year. Oh, yeah. There's a reason Eisenman sheltered uh, the the pick for the captaincy um, for as long as he did. He experienced being the captain of a bad team, and he knows exactly how difficult that is. It's not easy. Um, other point, um, I believe Kent Johnson was named uh, Big Ten Player of the Week. Do with with that information what you will. Ad hoc, off the cuff, where does Ken Johnson sit on your list right now, Brad? Uh, Wherever the Red Wings are picking. (laughs) You like him that much? I do. I I really do. Uh, Again, not to spoil my rankings, I haven't, obviously with the Red Wings season starting up, I have not done any deep dives on any prospects in a few weeks here. Um. Kent Johnson stock on the rise and considering that uh, Brant Clark hasn't really played well, he's, he's playing in Slovakia now. Uh, Owen power hasn't played all that great of late. Carson Lambos is again in a weird situation. Yeah, this is, this is getting interesting. Of I, I still, I just know this is the year the Red Wings are going to pick first just, and then we're going to be deemed ineligible for Shane Wright. Cause there really isn't a difference between one and six in this draft, but yeah, Ken Johnson, I think is going to be my, not that I'm necessarily going to put him at number one, but my guy for this draft, he reminds me so much of Trevor Zegers. Uh, ooh. Um, for any Red Wings fans who are looking to watch some other hockey between Red Wings games or, or just to kind of tune into the rest of the league, by all accounts, the Canadian division is going to be an absolutely entertaining bloodbath all year. Please watch it. It is exciting hockey. I hate the Montreal Canadiens and I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. I watched all 60 minutes of their game uh, yesterday and I plan on watching the next nine. <laughs> such good hockey and if you're not watching them there's a good chance you're watching Connor mcdavid and leon drysaddle play um or you're watching quinn hughes and elias Pettersson. like there's it's really really that's such a fun division it's this is gonna sound facetious and it's gonna sound like a joke it's not 
it's very important this year to watch teams that aren't the Red Wings. So you remember what a, a good NHL team looks like, because we have to remember this Red Wings team is not normal. And this is not what hockey looks like at the professional level. So step outside of the the Red Wings bubble every once in a while, take in the rest of the league and just appreciate some good hockey. Okay. Uh, we are going to jump into overtime, uh, which is brought to you by our Patreon supporters for this midweek episode. Um, and actually, before we start out with the um, overtime um, questions and comments, we did promise quite some time ago, uh, or like towards the end of the off season, I should say, um, to hand out our Jersey, our off season Jersey giveaway. And we never got around to it. Um, just because all the news of the NHL com- coming back kind of distracted us. And then before we knew it, we were in the middle of our season previews. Uh, but for now we are going to do our giveaway for the, uh, custom Detroit Red Wings jersey of your choice to a patron um, who has supported us, especially over the last few months. All of your uh, contributions were counted. um, So that was all tabulated for you automatically. So if you're a patron, don't worry, you didn't miss out. You didn't have to do anything. You were integrated into this giveaway. Uh, So without further ado, just randomizing it here and selecting a winner. Congratulations, Ian Grant. Ian Grant is the winner of a uh, custom Detroit Red Wings uh, jersey of your choice. Or I guess if you want to get another team's jersey, you can be cheeky and ask, but I'll just send you a Larkin jersey regardless. So congratulations, Ian. And let's start off with our uh, Patreon comments. We are going to begin with, just as these load here, uh, I believe the first comment is from... (laughs) user uh former defenseman ryan hannah um <laughs> what was the last what was yet or last episodes it, it got us both i so, don't remember yeah. actually <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's going to come up again uh they say the red wings are back and d boss is officially the captain dude grew up half a mile uh or a mile and a half away from me didn't know him personally but i'm looking forward to hearing from waterford michigan for years to come oh, that's a pretty cool story um you can just lie and say you knew him though uh, Joe Falzone says, man, I can't believe both Larkin and Zadina had hat tricks and Mantha assisted on every goal. Got to watch those line changes. What a game. Shame we lost. Just bought out Larkin home. Seat. Um, he made that comment before the game. The, he, or Joe goes on to say, shame we lost. Just bought a Larkin home C jersey uh, as my most recent as a Nyquist. Given Valeno's breakout recently happened when Malmo switched him to wing. Do you think long term that makes more sense for him if Rasmussen is 3C and a higher end player? Dubois, Wright, Beniers, etc. is at 2C. I still like Valeno's game for center. Um, I don't think he's ever going to put up the counting stats in the NHL that we'd like him to, but he's a strong skater, a smart player, and a 200-foot player. He still fits the mold of a center, but he is also a 19-year-old or 20. I don't know when his birthday is, playing in a professional league in Sweden. So, yeah, if, if it eases his adjustment to put him on wing for the year there, great. If he goes to the wing his first year or two in Detroit, fine. But one, I think he's his game is better suited to center. And two, I mean, eventually someone's got to play center for this team. And I have more faith in him doing it than Rasmussen. So, uh, Cody Stark says, let's effing go. Nemesnikov will get the first goal of the season. What's your guess? Disclaimer, I did not claim that this would happen tonight. Yeah, I mean, we're still in the running for it. My guess is Zadina. 
I don't know. Do you guys have guesses? I'd say Zanino too. Based on what I've seen tonight, I'm going to go with information I have and I'll say Brome. <laughs> um, Greach says, with Grice getting the nod and given his performance in camp, do you think he'll end up with the most starts this season? Thanks for being the literal last bastion of hope for online Detroit talk. P.S. Keep it down over there, Evan. <laughs> I can do that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh yeah, we. I mean, we were all pretty confident that this, if you had to pick a starter, it was Bernier. But I guess, like we said before, the margins are going to be so thin where I don't think it's going to be one clearly over the other unless the hot streaks outweigh it naturally. Um, I don't think Blashill's going into the season thinking, yeah, Grice is going to get, you know, 40 of the 56 starts. Uh, they're each going to get 28 starts because they're going to argue over who gets starts uh, before every game. Uh, Bernie, I'll sit there and yell, no, he's starting tonight. Uh, Ryan Hubbard says, Hey guys, uh, want to know your thoughts on the game and what positives you take away. So we covered that. Um, did any of you guys purchase a Larkin Jersey with the C? Um, also like to take this opportunity to say thank you for all the great content. I remember meeting Ryan briefly at the home opener last year. It was a highlight of that hell of a season. Let's go Red Wings. Um, I apologize that I was notable at all in a hockey season, but I'm, I'm happy that, uh, uh, we were able to bring you some slight reprieve. I will say you have a phenomenal name. And um, I like you more than these two already. Yeah, I mean, well, meeting Ryan's a big deal. Like, haven't you heard? He was on CTV Kitchener this week. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> He's a local hero. Yeah, that was... Uh, Brad called me, and I was very much... Uh, barely... I was wearing a, a house coat. I was still wearing a robe. And he was like, hey, do you want to be on the news? And I went, preferably not. Probably means I did a crime. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, before I knew it, I was on a Zoom call with CTV Kitchener because Brad did wasn't able to step out of work to do so, uh, talking about just hockey returning. And when the segment went up, um, it was hysterical because we're in Kitchener. This is Leafs land. And like the thumbnail for the story and the people they were talking to were all Leafs people. And then there's me with my winged wheel podcast shirt and three Red Wings jerseys behind me. <laughs> I just love that co-host winged wheel podcast. I'm like things I didn't expect to ever see on my TV. <laughs> and then yeah. out of nowhere too, cause I, I recorded it. So I watched it when I got home and Crystal's like, why are you watching the news? And I'm like, shh, shh just watch. And <laughs> I, I didn't know they were actually going to splice in a clip from one of our episodes. So I didn't actually expect to see mine and Evan's goofy faces on there. So that was a bit of a surprise. And Crystal's like, you, you were going to be on TV tonight? And I'm like, no, but there I am. It was yeah. supposed to just be Ryan. I wasn't prepared for this. They didn't tell me. And they picked a great clip, too. Like, it was a very dramatic. It was like Brad going, hockey is back. And I was like, wow, wow. He did the byline for them. That's awesome. I absolutely nailed it. That's why they asked us to be on. And it wasn't just a fluke because uh, my work was on a media blackout. No, not at all. That's <laughs> uh, Evan, that was your shining moment. You... You went to the I've news. I've been on CKCO before. Oh, okay. All right. Big shot. Yeah, me Lo too. It's not that big a deal, Evan. Local billionaire. It was for, for, it was for nefarious reasons, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Local billionaire asked to stop hunting humans on his estate. More at seven. Yeah, I, I actually got the prototypical hockey player interview on CKCO News in 1997. Wow. Yeah, you were like thirty years old at that. Exactly. I, I it was hilarious looking back at it now. Just I guess 
my age group at the time for Kitchener Minor Hockey had a history of being tragically bad. And no team from that age group had ever won the championship in like 40 years or something like that. So when we won it, it was like, oh, my God, we got to get the news out to our practice before provincials. All right. Moving along here from third man in says very important Jersey question. I'm about the same age as Zetterberg along with Hank. Previous sweaters have included Stevie Y, Shanahan and Cleary in a 2014 Tatar winter classic sweater. Uh, still seemed fair game. However, I was thinking about getting a new Jersey with the name of a member of the current or future core on it. Realized I felt a little weird about it. Please explain to an old man why it's okay to wear the name of someone 15 to 20 years younger than you on your back so that when you face the same existential crisis in 10 years, you'll be prepared for it. Because they're significantly better at the hockey than we are. Look, I've seen people argue that it's weird and they don't feel comfortable with it. And I get that. Like, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Wear a blank jersey if you want or don't wear a jersey at all. Um, It's a sport. Part of sports fandom is cheering for the players. And no one, like, when you're talking to your your friends at work about the game, you don't say, oh, uh, I love the game, you know, Bobby Ryan or not Bobby Ryan, you know, Sam Gagne had last night, but that Dylan Larkin, I guess he had a good game, but no, it's weird to speak highly of him because he's younger. I just don't, it's part of the fandom. Wear the jersey if you want to wear the jersey. No one cares when you're watching him on the ice. And part of supporting the team is, you know, the name on the back and, and getting the jersey of the player you like to see play. And if it gets to a point where it's uncomfortable for you, great. Shadow box the jersey, put it up on the wall. That's great for your, you know, rec room or whatever. I have no problem with it. They're all adults. It's not like you're wearing a 15-year-old's jersey, right? Like, every th- everybody's the same age after 20 is what I keep telling myself. Uh, Dennis Case is putting out a hot take. Mantha pops off in another home opener and scores a hat trick. Also, Larkin's jersey will say Lar C N. Edit, as expected, this age like milk. <laughs> yeah, this might have been the worst professional hockey game I've ever seen Anthony Mantha play. <laughs> It wasn't good. This is the first time the Red Wings have been shut out at home during a home opener since 1928 when they were the Cougars. Oh, and we all remember how that one went. <laughs> Everyone was saying you got to watch out for the Cougars. Uh, on that note, next comment is from Tyrone Bigham's brand big bag of titties. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Evan tried to not laugh and it got him. <laughs> Uh, it just kept going. <laughs> 310 days. That's how long it's been since the Wings have last played a game. Uh, Mind-blowing. I'm glad I'm in the podcast Fantasy Hockey League. I've talked way too much in it. Thanks for that. If you could bring one guy who is retired back and draft him in fantasy um, under current scoring and rules, who would you pick? Uh, Wayne Gretzky? I think he meant Red Wings. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go with the only player in NHL history not named Gretzky or Lemieux to break 150 points in a season. That would be Steve Eiserman. Uh To pick a different player, I would go with Sergei Fedorov if I couldn't pick Eiserman. I'll just say Gordy Howe because I can't think of yeah. anyone else right now. I mean, 80 points from a defenseman would Brett be pretty Hall? key. Yeah. Paul would be all right. Power play points would be through the roof. I think Brendan Shanahan would be a great fantasy player. Lots of pims. I mean, Lidstrom's getting you the points by defenseman, the power play points, and the plus minus. No, oh, don't use plus minus in your league. Do we? I don't know. No. No. I, no my, you saw my fantasy team. I very clearly don't care about plus minus. 
La Plata Peak says these last 310 days just flew by. I mean, didn't we just play Carolina in our last game? I don't know if the Red Wings ever had three state straight regular season games against the same team, but I'm willing to bet it never happens again. Uh, question, if the Wings somehow pull off a playoff appearance in May, does Jeff Blashill automatically get a new five-year deal and a Jack Adams trophy? Yeah, pretty likely for both of those. Okay, on the the other point there, I think there was a time a couple years ago where the Red Wings had a mid-season game in Carolina that got canceled because of bad ice conditions. And it actually worked out that later in the season, the Red Wings played three games in three days. I know at least two of them were against Carolina. It might have been three. Like, I... I ah, what is it with Carolina? I don't know. I really don't know. And I feel like we never beat Carolina. Like, I don't ever remember the Red Wings beating Carolina. Beat them in, in the uh, cup finals. Yeah, we need a we need a retro reverse game against them because we might be able to beat the Whalers. That's uh, I I said last episode it's likely that they'll wear those jerseys against each other. But you made a good point. The gray and white will not be friendly to colorblind viewers. No, 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 no. Or I guess maybe regular sighted viewers. Maybe Carolina wears the Whalers. Detroit wears their regular homes. I I don't know. A mercy, truly. The Caminator says, I don't know what PDO bender means. And at this point, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't be afraid to call us out when we're just saying stuff repeatedly. <laughs> we forget that we're talking to people sometimes. Um, so instead, what are the predictions for the Wings records against other teams in the division? Okay, we, we actually talked about that a little bit in the season preview. So, Brad, very quickly, talk about PDO. PDO is a very simple stat that basically does its best to quantify luck in an NHL season. So if you look over the entire NHL, shooting percentages generally average out to, uh, combined with goalie safe percentages, average out to 100. So if a goalie has a 900 safe percentage and a team's shooting 10%, okay, 100. You're exactly where you expected. When that number combined, so your goalies are putting up, let's say a 930 safe percentage and your team's putting up... uh like uh, 12% shooting percentage, your those two numbers combined are well over 100. So you could be putting up like a 107, 108, 109 PDO. That's considered lucky and unsustainable because your goalies aren't going to stay that hot and your shooters aren't going to stay that hot. Conversely, going way in the opposite means you're unlucky. So like last year, the Red Wings were bad, but they also, their PDO was crazy low. So they were unlucky by as best as you can quantify it. So if a team this year gets a really high safe percentage and rides a really high shooting percentage, that is a PDO bender. They're just riding like a 108 for the season. And it happens. Teams get into the playoffs on that every once in a while, but it almost never is sustainable. So if you see a team with a 108 PDO and then they absolutely, you know, crater the next year, it's almost expected. Yeah. And there's a little margin of error there. There's like, if you think... If a team is over 102, you can probably assume that they're not quite as good as they're playing. And if they're under 98, they're probably better than what they have been getting the results for. But there's that, you know, four point window in there where yeah. you're probably like, that's within the normal. Yeah, it's not exact. If you have Andre Vasilevsky in net, you have to assume your save percentage is going to be higher than a little higher than average, right? And if your backup goalie's not catastrophically bad, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna carry an above average save percentage. So, you know, it's not crazy to write a 101 102 maybe even a 103 but yeah when you start getting up up there bad things are coming 
Uh, Antonio Gracias says, I'm so excited to have Red Wings hockey back. Almost needed to see a doctor about my hockey withdrawal symptoms, including spontaneously growing a face mask, having an intense craving for cheap beer. I paid way too much for in journey looping over and over in my head. Uh, anyways, now that fantasy started, I was curious about your, uh, strategy when drafting a team in a strange season. Cheers, chaps, and let's go Red Wings. Um, (laughs) Even we Brad's we haven't even to- we haven't even talked about Brad's travesty of a fantasy team. <laughs> so let a little backstory before they dump on me. Backstory: Brad's an idiot. Yes, but <laughs> in rever- in regards to this, I hate fantasy sports. Like I don't begrudge people who play it, but I I hate it. It ruins the game watching for me. I like watching the game. I don't like watching players. Um. So if I'm watching you know, like the Red Wings versus the Rangers, but I have Artemi Panarin on my team. Like it, it just, it taints the game for me because I'm kind of cheering both sides, but I don't want to not participate in our fantasy league. So I found my way around it where I can draft a team and I never have to cheer against the Red Wings. So I drafted nothing but Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. So to the other 15 people in the league with Brad and, and this includes you, Evan. You're welcome. You're gonna Brad's playing one. me right now in week oh. one. Oh, God. if I win a single matchup this week, the loser I think is banished from fantasy sports forever. Your team has 66 games to play this week. Mine has like 90 something, just because you chose. It's all one. one yeah, team. I don't get multiple <laughs> games in the night. Yeah. Oh my god. Not a yeah. good start uh, tonight, but Gunny got you some pims, so that's all yeah. Right. There you go. Wait, we have penalty minutes as a good stat in our league. Yeah, it's pretty standard in fantasy. That's stupid. Yeah, it was either that or hits, but n- and nobody uh just nobody had any uh, preference, so that's what we went with. Well, Sam- Sammy G's uh coming in clutch for me. Hey, Grace probably had me a pretty good save percentage tonight, though. Yeah, no wins from that that goalie tandem. I'll tell you that. Hey, save percentage going to be through the roof though, and our our shots at our total saves a stat because oh boy. <laughs> I th- it's goals is it goals against average wins shutouts and save percentage something like that anyways Michael Barry says uh, how do you guys feel that Eisenman was the only one to get a cap dump contract this offseason this was an especially good move in the end considering Henrik Lundqvist didn't need to be bought out I mean yeah it, it was a tough season to kind of get those deals in as we saw we wanted more to come through and we predicted that more might be able to come through but just the way teams were able to structure their cap relief, it didn't happen. And so would have wanted more overall, but relative to the rest of the league, can't be mad. Uh, Garrett TV says, hockey amigos, what makes you happier? The return of Red Wings hockey or the new vertical plane rule for offside? He actually wrote offsides, but I refuse to say it. Um, never thought I'd be so conflicted. Looking forward to see us to seeing us get pucks deep for the first time in over 300 days. Um, four hours ago, I would have said hockey coming back. I've watched the first game, so my answer has changed to the new offsides rule. Brad, part of our agreement was when I came around on the rule. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, I just have one question to ask of the Wings this year, and it's that they don't play the woos, the god-awful woos of the PA system when we're losing games. Uh, Haroon, I'm on your side. Um, I saw people complaining about how awful the red wings goal horn is and uh well they solved that problem tonight but uh <laughs> but on an unrelated note i saw someone also suggest that they replace the goal horn with the woo thoughts 
ultimate <laughs> chaos. It got Evan to laugh. So that's how you know it's cool. Woo! <laughs> Woo! God, frick. It's like, uh, it's like when you go to the washroom and it's just a lineup of, at, at the Joe and it's the lineup of guys shoulder to shoulder at the troughs and one of them starts talking. And then one of them woos, and like that somehow made it out of the washrooms into the arena at the LCA. <laughs> Jake Kiefer says, uh, considering this is Zetterberg's final contract year, I'd like to know what the chances of him making making the Hall of Fame are. My initial uh, gut tells me 100%. Then I think a former great Red Wing and 2014 leading scorer, Mr. Alfredson, Olympic gold and silver, Calder Trophy, uh, over 1,200 games played with 1,157 points. Uh, he's been passed on four times for the Hall of Fame. Should we really think that Zetterberg's cup and con Smythe is the difference for him when the 08 wings were probably better than anything Alfie played on? Note, I wish both were in the Hall. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but Alfie doesn't have a con Smythe. So, um, that being said, based on some of the people that have gone into the Hall of Fame in the last couple of years, like Guy Carboneau, it's an absolute crime. Uh, Daniel Alfredson's not in, comparatively speaking. Uh, Alex McGillney not being in there, though, is the bigger crime these days. All right, moving us along. Michael Lang says, hello again. Did you hear the Wings are playing hockey again today and that Dylan Larkin is captain? I'll give you time to process this earth-shattering news. Uh, You definitely haven't heard anywhere else yet. Time to get serious. What are your predictions for Larkin's captaincy? Do you see him him being a wing for life or do you see him walking away at some point? How many cups and consmice do you see him hoisting? Don't forget to celebrate the opening of the regular season with some wet-ass pizza. (laughs) Um... I, Larkin does strike me as a lifer, but in today's NHL, you can never guarantee that. I could see a cup in his lifetime because, I mean, the Red Wings have a really strong prospect system and a decent young core. Still got a lot of work to do, but if it's going to happen, it's probably going to be in the next 10 years. Um, probably won't win a con Smythe because if the Red Wings are going to win a cup. We've said this ad nauseum. Uh, Dylan Larkin can't be the best player on your team. He can be the leader, but he can't be the best player. Uh, unless you have like 20 of him. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ghost of Podcast Past asks, would you rather have an 18-year-old Lindros, Fedorov, Coffee, or Bure on this team right now? So the correct answer here is probably Lindros, because if we have to have them as they were at 18... I don't think anybody under the age of 25 really appreciates how good Eric Lindros was when he when he first came into the NHL and until the concussion history started. Um, given the way the NHL's played today, though, man, it'd be hard to argue against Beret. Yeah, that's a tough group. Lindros, assuming he stays healthy, is you know a game breaker, but. Both Burry with his speed and Fedorov with and, and Burry wasn't just speed for the record. Um, he was just so fast. It's worth noting. It's a hard decision, but yeah, I, I think it's got to be Lindros. The injuries overshadow how good he really was. Yeah, because if we're taking them for their whole career, I'm obviously taking Fedorov. But like, how as good? How good were they when they were 18 years old? Yeah, Lindros was in a different reality back then. Chris B says, I can't believe we took Rasmussen over Suzuki. Oof. Anyways, what's more likely this year? Stetcher gets 25 points or Fabry gets 40? Looking at them tonight, Stetcher. 
Uh, although after looking at them tonight, I don't think either is very realistic. I don't yeah, think Fabry's hard- getting forty. A hard time picking one or the other. Ask me again in five games. Uh, Tate says, "Holy boys, uh, whole hey boys, holy shit! It feels good to be back watching hockey. Being from Lloydminster, Alberta, had the honor of getting absolutely roasted at work today for wearing my Wings hat by all my Oiler fan coworkers. I reminded them of their g- current goalie situation, and that shut them up. Anyways, here's my question: If you had a chance to sign McDavid or McKinnon to a ten by ten deal right now for the Wings, who would you pick? Enjoy the game, you sick beauties, McDavid." uh mcdavid 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 i love mckinnon but it's got to be mcdavid yeah definitely he had a hat trick tonight too did he of course yeah i thought you were about to say mckinnon there evan it looked like you were thinking i thought i thought we were gonna pick someone different than one another no uh adam calcert says larkin being the captain's old news i'm already looking forward to the next captain the big defenseman with hands silkier than his cop dad hank crisco hell yeah soon enough at the rate he's growing aj voss says so excited for the start of wings hockey it's been a long decade since our last game uh so i'm more excited than nbc when they have a job to fill and there's a hockey old man asshole who's unemployed obligatory firk mike Papcock. i have a draft slash prospect question seen a lot of people online talk about how they knew the 2017 rasmussen pick was a bad one when it happened and how there were obvious better options. As someone who didn't start following drafts until the year after, can you give me in some insight into the mindset at that time? Brad, very quickly, tell him about the Rasmussen pick. He's big, and that's always overvalued. And it sounds overly simplistic to say that, but that's what it was. He was a monster in a draft that was full of small players. Yeah, and they talked a lot about the character, which like you want to draft guys who are a good character, but it shouldn't be the hallmark of your seventh overall pick. Also, that was the year that Tyler Wright had a size mantra about his draft. Like you go through that whole draft, he just picked big players and it's going to go down as one of the worst drafts in Red Wings history. And you can't tell me that's a coincidence. Uh, Benji says the Oilers jerseys are atrocious. Uh, also, Brad is looking at the next year's first round pick way too idealistically, where he doesn't want to trade it for Dubois. The reality is it's more likely that the player turns out to be worse than Dubois than better. Locking up the one and two C for the foreseeable future should be the priority instead of dreaming out, dreaming of that generational pick that you have a less than 5% chance of getting. Oh, okay. So a couple things here. Uh, I understand that the odds state that Dubois will be better than whoever the Red Wings pick in the first round. A, because the Red Wings are unlikely to pick in the top three, and they might even slide further back from that. I understand that. A couple things you're not factoring in there. One, uh, I personally think Dubois is heavily, not heavily, but I think he's overrated. I don't, he's like Larkin to me. He's a a 1C on a mediocre team. But if you want to go deep in the playoffs, you need someone better than Dubois as your 1C. But again, Larkin and Dubois having two of them, yeah, you could you could do good with that if your wingers are strong and the Red Wings are strong in that position, so that could work. But the grand point, there's a chance that whoever you draft is better than Dubois. I'll say it's about 40-60 based on where the Red Wings are likely going to sit. 60% Dubois would be the better option player-wise um, than whoever you pick. But you're also going to get an extra three to four years out of whoever you pick, and you're going to get the benefit of the salary cap with an entry-level contract that you no longer get with Dubois since his entry-level contract is over. So factoring 
everything in and not just looking apple to apple pick to player it's still probably more favorable to take the pick i'd take the risk on dubois honestly i'm crazy yeah you're crazy i wouldn't he's a Uh, seven he's a career 0.7 points per game player which is good i understand that and he's a 200 foot player which is good i understand that but when was the last time a team won the stanley cup with uh those stats as their first line center uh lars the prophet of the towering behemoth says so by the time we get to these comments the red wings will have lost to the canes 3-2 and brome was our best player not named larkin or mantha oh well bergman's yeah that was that aged really well uh bergman scored two today and the wings are back at it what's not to like about that which player do you think will be the biggest surprise in positive and negative terms my picks are brome and for positive and grace for negative i mean uh you were 50 percent bang on there um I guess it's cheating to pick Barome since he was good today and we and we know that. Negative, I'll go Mark Stahl because he somehow was worse than advertised. And positive, I'll go uh, John Merrill because, again, I still don't think uh, the fan base realizes just how good defensively he can be. Uh, Evan's bingo card says, did you guys get, see that sweet goal by Glenn Denning? That's why he wears the A. Mantha only wishes he had a shot like Luke. On a more serious note, who is more likely to have a better career, in your opinion, Marner or Raymond and Byfield or Eichel? Thanks for the first time in what seems like forever. Let's watch some Red Wings hockey. Oh, God, this is going to be a depressing answer. Marner and Eichel. Yeah, you have to go with a known quantity there, right? And also you have to factor in with Marner. I I think Raymond could be every bit as good as Mitch Marner. Uh, I don't think Raymond's going to be in as good of a situation as Marner has right now. Sadly. Um, Evan Beckner says, gentlemen, hockey is back. Is there anything you'd like to see the NHL experiment with now that they don't have fans in the arena? Camera angles, new netting, VR seats, for example. I've always loved VR seats. I thought those were cool. I mean, this is the year to try anything and everything. I don't care what it is. Try it. If it sucks, never use it again. But you never know what might stick. Uh, Adam says, did anyone else find out at 725 that Hulu doesn't carry Fox Sports Detroit and the game is blacked out on NHL TV? Well, time to cancel Hulu again. Man, they got to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, Slava oh, and, uh, going back to that previous question, let's experiment with uh, not doing national anthems at games anymore. Honestly, there's no fans in the building. Who cares? Can we just not? Uh, Slava Kozlov's doppelganger says, I hope it's not too late to say happy game day. Offense is still an issue, but hey, defense was way better than last year. Brome is love. Brome is life. Carolina are a bunch of wankers who take exception at after every hit. Who's your favorite non-Red Wing Russian player? All time or currently? Yeah, all time. Burray. Not even close. Ovechkin. I love Ovi, man. Ovi's a blast. Uh, Yakaruta says, so Gagne has decided to fight for a spot in the lineup. Literally nice. That Mantha doesn't have to fight now that we have a real goon, <laughs> uh, stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier company says, Hey there, fellas, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'll take it all. I'm so glad wings hockey is back. I may have shed a tear of joy. I bought the NHL TV subscription. Totally worth it. If you're blacked out and don't want cable, consider using it with a VPN per Evan's tweet. Evan, pay attention. Here are my hot takes. Agree or disagree. Evan, you're going to do all of these. Larkin scores at a goal per game, uh, point per game pace. Disagree. 
<laughs> uh, carry price tumbles, but Montreal wins the North on the strength of Jake Allen and deep center position. Disagree. Seriously, what am I missing on Montreal that everybody thinks they're going to be top two in that division? Like, I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but I'm missing something. DeKaiser scores at least 10 points. Likely. He's asking me. Yeah, he's asking I thinking, Evan. Likely. We got nobody <laughs> else. Ivan Provorov wins the Norris. Unlikely. Uh, Fabry does not succeed at center, finishes the season at third line wing. Likely. I think it's so agree. You mean okay? Agree. Yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois and Matt Barzell are traded for each other. Disagree. Uh, Grice finishes top ten in Vesna voting. <laughs> he might after tonight. Likely. <laughs> <laughs> Yandel and Line are not traded. Unlikely. Hart Trophy Sebastian Ajo. Unlikely. Cup final Washington over St. Louis. Unlikely. All right. Cnod says fun and sad game. Uh, last wing to win each of the major trophies. Go. Sorry. What are we doing? Last wing to win each of the major trophies. Uh, Hart oh, was shoot. Fedorov. Norris was Lidstrom. Uh, Rookie of the year. We're going way the hell back on that one. Should have been Zetterberg. Should have been. Wasn't. We'll count it. Uh, Vesna. God. Damn, Sawchuck? I don't know. Terry, Sawchuck. Con Smythe, Zetterberg. Yeah, he won the... Sawchuck won the Calder and the Vesna. Selkie was Datsuk. Lady Bing was Datsuk. Datsuk won it after... uh, I think Lidstrom won it um, Lady Bing once, right? Probably. Jack Adams never Babcock while he was there. Bowman did Bowman win the Jack Adams with Detroit? Yes, he did. So did he? I'll take your word for it. Uh, uh, that rookie uh, of the year one's bothering me. Oh, you're never gonna get it. Like I Roger got a Crows Crozier? Crow, I was gonna I, say that has to be in the fifties or sixties. Yeah. Sixty-five. Yeah, wow. Um okay. Asher Killian says, I'm just going to throw this out there. If the Wings don't release a special St. Patrick's jersey design with number 71 and Fergal as a nameplate is downright freaking criminal. If they do the right thing and put one out, I'll buy an extra for you guys for a fan giveaway. Did I miss something here? There's something in the commentary. I actually missed it, but I should go back and listen. It was Um, uh, NHL players were saying what they'd want their first name to be if it wasn't their actual one. And Larkin picked something ultra Irish, and I think it was Fergal and something else. Fergal boys. They're running out of things to say because there was nothing to talk about it during that game. Yeah. Um, Also awesome to have the Red Wings back almost a year later because even terrible Red Wings hockey is better than no Red Wings hockey, and at least Brad Rance will be worth it when we're getting tree buckets of goals scored on us. Finally, hi, Evan. No real message. Just wanted to hear your name to remind you that you're doing a hockey podcast right now. Hey, he answered you. Uh, Jonathan Hurd says, oof. And last comment, the guy who pranked Ryan says, good day, dud duds, and especially good day to Kevin. Wake up, dummy. Remember me? Yeah, you do. Instead of reading my tweet, which I didn't bother with you, uh, get to hear 
I didn't bother with, you get to hear Ryan read this. Maybe I'll prank you next. The more things change, the more they stay the same in Red Wings land, and the 309-day goal of streak continues. Pretty weird flex by Sveshnikov to score a goal for the other team. Not great for trade value, and I'm sure the organization takes a dim view of this. Jersey time. In honor of the Discover Card Central Division, free ad, take that, Kevin. What are the three worst current jerseys in our division? Alts, retro, uh, reverse retros, all in play. Oh, the Red Wings reverse retro, or retro reverse has to be one of them. I don't know. I don't even know if that's the worst retro reverse in our division. Nashville's is pretty bad. Oh, Nashville's is Dallas right. is pretty bad too. Okay, but we got to go. Okay, three worst jerseys in our division. Any variation? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I got to remember our division. So we got Florida, Tampa. Nashville, Carolina, uh, Chicago, Dallas, Columbus, Columbus. Okay. I'm going to go Nashville and Dallas's retro reverses and do Dallas's STDers still count. That's a great Jersey, man. No, wait, it's not. Yes, it is. It's It's a good Jersey. No, it's not. Not their fault. You're illiterate. I'll, I'll go those three teams, retro reverses, not Dallas, Detroit's retro reverse. Reverse retro, whatever it is. Um, when you have some hot takes like our fearless leader, Mr. Cheesebag himself, keep them in a stay fresh cheese bag so they stay fresh and spicy. Stay fresh cheese bags at Fournier Company. All right, guys. Uh, opening night of the season. That's our wrap up. Captain Dylan Larkin is here. The season is underway. We will be back with you on Sunday. In the meantime, we'd like to thank all of our supporters, um, our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, uh, Brett Bailey, Kyle, R.A., Hi Brad, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Bigums, uh, Brand Big Bag of Titties. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Hana Lee, uh, Eve Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, uh, Sam Bankston, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, Trevor, Pe- Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Beer Guy, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matt Keeler, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Afornia Company, uh, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minama, Quaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.